We've been on our core strength series, talking about the core values that we have and building on the, the value system that God's given us. What we value determines what we do. The things that we value determines our actions. So we, we realize that the number one force that shapes our culture is our values. So we're preaching on values. We're preaching on things that, that God would have us to value. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, sermon notes, get those out. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Yeah! Luke 17. You guys are looking fantastic today. Core values. We've been talking about them. I'm going to run through some of them quickly just to give you some background on where we've been. Number one, the first one we talked about is we want to be with him. His presence means everything. Then we talked about we do life together. Relationships make us stronger. Then we pulled on the leash because we have big faith and we take big risks because we serve a big God. So don't be afraid to pull on the leash with your life. Then we live generously. We give. We live to give. Freely we receive. Freely we give. So that's a core value. We want to be a part of a generous house, not a stingy house in every area of our life. Then we bring our A game. We talked about last week, excellence reflects God. So hopefully you've been bringing your A game to the workplace. Hopefully that your bosses this week were just overwhelmed with the, 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 with the actions and how you're working this week. Brought your A game. We want to impress them and, and show them what it's like to be a believer. This week, the core value we're going to zero in on is we take nothing for granted. Appreciation is the fuel for the future. We take nothing for granted. Now, when we say that we take nothing for granted... Has anyone ever felt like they've been taken for granted? <laughs> sure. Have you ever taking, taken something for granted? I believe we could say on both points that all of us have experienced that. We've either taken something for granted or we've felt like somebody's taken us for granted. So when we say we take nothing for granted, we realize it's a goal that we're shooting for. It's a core value that we want to become people that live with appreciation. Because we believe if we appreciate where we are, and where we've been, then it will be fuel for us to go forward in the future. So we're going to read about that. If you've got your Bibles open to Luke chapter 17, start reading there in verse 11. It says, and, and, and now it happened. That's what it says. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Jesus going right through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. This is like if you would say, hey, we, he went through the midst of North Dakota and South Dakota. Samaria and Galilee were right there, connected each other on top of each other. So he's walking right in that region where they kind of connect. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them... When he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? He said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well, I want to jump back here and see at the beginning of this story, give you some context on what's going on as he's walking through Samaria and Galilee in verse 12. He entered into a certain village. It doesn't say the name of the village because that part's not important evidently, but it says he came across 10 men. And it says these 10 men specifically were lepers who stood afar off. There's a lot of parallels between leprosy and sin. 
When it says that these men were lepers and they stood afar off, there's some relevance to that, some parallels to sin that I want you to understand. Here's some things that we understand about leprosy. Leprosy made you unclean. You had to even say that you were unclean. If you're walking by people, you had to say, unclean, unclean, so that he would stay away from you because it was very contagious at the time. And so sin also makes us unclean in our relationship with God. Sin separate, it causes us to be unclean with God. Here's another thing that leprosy does. Leprosy will numb the skin. It would damage the nerve endings and, and begin to numb the skin where you wouldn't even feel anything. Sin will numb our ability to be sensitive to the voice of God. Sin will numb us to the point that we will no longer be convicted of things. Some people may say this once in a while, say, well, that just doesn't convict me. Is it that it doesn't convict you or is it that you're just numb? Sometimes we can get in such a habit of living a certain way that our skin becomes numb. Our sin causes us to be numb to the voice of God. So it's another thing that leprosy does. Leprosy, also untreated, will lead to death. It will cause death. Sin, untreated in our lives, eventually will lead to death. We will make choices in our life that will lead to death or destruction. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So just like leprosy will lead to death, sin also will lead to death. Lastly, the thing that, that uh, we're talking about here in this verse is that leprosy also likes to isolate you. It says these men stood afar off. Leprosy separated them. If you had leprosy, you had to dwell outside of the city. You had to be an outcast. You were on the outside looking in. So this is the condition of these men. They were outsiders. Sin will try and separate us, and sin will try and get us afar off from our relationship with God. Just like leprosy tries to separate and get you far off, sin will try and separate you from your relationship with God. When we're living in sin, we will feel afar off. It'll try and separate you. How about Adam and Eve? You remember Adam and Eve that after they sinned, what did they do? They hid from God. That's what sin does. God didn't hide from them when they sinned. They, sinned, they hid from God when they sinned. And that's what happened. These people were standing afar off. So you see that. They're standing afar off. So what happens if you feel like, if you find yourself standing afar off from God? What do you do? What's, what's the next step if you're afar off from God? Do what they did. If you're here this morning, you're listening to this, you say, I just feel afar off from God. Then you need to do what they did in verse 13. It says, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. See, if you feel afar off from God, you need to cry out to God. You just need to cry out. Don't hide from him. Cry out to him. Lift up your voice and run to him. Well, I just feel so far from God. Well, just cry out to him. Say, Jesus! Jesus! Well, I'm not worthy to speak the name. You're never going to be worthy to speak the name. They stood afar off because they weren't deserving to get close enough, but they cried out to him. Lift up your voice if you feel. Sometimes the enemy tries to get us to feel like we're far from God. Anybody ever felt like that? I battle that, that all the time. I just don't feel close to God. You're like, you, the preacher. Yeah, sometimes I just don't feel. But I've learned something. My feelings don't always tell the truth. So what I've learned to do and I'm learning to do, it's a constant reminder that when I feel like God's not with me, I, Jesus, Jesus, thank you that you're with me. I cry out. I begin to say what I believe. I begin to speak it out to him, cry out to him. So if you feel far off from God, just start crying out to Jesus. Yeah. Cry out to him. He'll hear you. He'll hear you. See, this is what happens. They lifted up their voice, and look what the significance of what they said. They're lepers, but they had a specific message. They said, Master, have mercy on us. Master, have mercy on us. Master, they recognized Jesus is not just a normal man. 
So they begin to release faith. They begin to say, Master, have mercy on us. So now they begin to release faith that this was not just a normal guy. And not only was he not just a normal guy, he was something that could do something about my situation. See, a lot of times lepers would just cry out for alms. They would say, give me alms and get money. So this cry would be something I want you to help me manage or maintain my condition. But when they cry out to Jesus, the master, it's crying out to somebody who can change their condition. See, this is what they're doing. They're saying, I don't want to live like that. I'm not looking for money to stay where I am. I'm looking for a solution to get out from where I am. So when we cry out to Jesus, it's not to manage my situation. It's to restore my situation. Come on, somebody. That's what they're crying out for. Jesus, have mercy on me. So then look what happens after you cry out to God. Look at verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them. Isn't it encouraging that if you cry out to Jesus, he'll see you? When he saw them, when he saw them, when you cry out to Jesus, you will get his attention. He's paying attention to you. He will put his eyes on you. The Bible says in Psalm 34 that the the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. When you cry out to Jesus, his eye turns to you and he will see you. Isn't it good to know that he sees the condition that you're in? He saw them as lepers. He sees your condition. He sees your situation. Nothing gets past him. He knows exactly what's going on. It's good to know that Jesus sees your condition today. He saw theirs and he sees yours. You're like, well, nobody knows what's going on. Jesus does. Cry out to him. He sees. He saw them, but he didn't just see them, and he doesn't just see you. He doesn't just see me. He says, he saw them, and he said to them. Here's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't just see me in my condition and make note of my condition, but he gives me some direction on how to get out of my condition. He saw me where I am, and he saw them where they were, and he said, I see you, but now I don't want you to stay there. I'm going to give you some direction to get out of there. So he began to give them words. And his words began to be their solution. If they would take him at his word, they would have a solution to get out of their situation. (laughs) He began to release words. He began to speak to them and give them direction through his words. If we will take Jesus' words in our life and begin to apply them, they will be the solution for our situation. I don't know what you're hearing today. I don't know what's been spoken into your ears, but he didn't just leave them in their condition, but he said something. He said something. You've got a situation going on in your life. I want you to know that Jesus has something to say about that situation. The devil may be coming at you on all points, pressure from everywhere, but I'm telling you, Jesus not only sees, but he's got something to say. So we need to find out what does he have to say about my situation. He doesn't just see me, but he says something about what's going on in my life. He wants to say something to you. He's got something to say. The devil thinks he's got the last word. Well, Jesus got a word for him. Come on. Here's the word he gave him. Here's what he said. Lepers crying out. Remember, keep in context. Lepers cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So he says to them, he sees them, he says to them, Go show yourself to the priest. Imagine you're the leper. And Jesus says to you, go show yourself to the priest. Now, we've got to understand why did he say that. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't know this. But the priest was the only one who could write the permission slip that would allow a leper that if they were cleansed to come back into society. 
The only way you got entrance back into your normal life, the only way you got restored back into normalcy to get accepted again was if the priest would write a note, examine you, and say, yes, I pronounce you cleansed. So he said, go show yourself to the priest. Now these people knew what that meant, and they're looking at themselves. And if I'm standing there and I say, Jesus, have mercy on me, and he just says, go show, me to, go show yourself to the priest, and I look at my skin and my body parts that are rotting off, how many knows I'm going to be a little bit disappointed? with the word that he gave me. I'm going to say, Jesus, no, 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 you're supposed to say, be healed in my name. That's what you're supposed to say. But you said, go show yourself for the priest. But here's what we got to understand about Jesus. He saw them. <laughs> he saw them healed before they saw themselves healed. The reason he said, go show yourself to the priest, he was saying in that direction, I already see the end from the beginning. <laughs> so go show yourself to the priest because you're healed. He would not send them to the priest unless he already knew what was going to happen when they got to the priest. So when God gives you a word, when he gives you a direction, the question is, is his word going to be enough? He didn't heal them and then send them to the priest. He said, go show yourself to the priest. So we've got to understand that the word of God has to take precedence before the evidence shows up in our life. Are we going to believe him at his word or are we going to need to see a little more proof before we take action? It's just something to think about. said the word that they were healed came to them before the evidence. His word said they were healed, but their eyes said they weren't. This is why we walk by faith and not by... <sighs> he said, go show yourself to the priest. I looked down. Why would I do that? I'm the same. Why would I do that? Nothing's changed. You just received a word from Jesus, but nothing's different. Sometimes we got to learn that the word itself has the power to bring itself to pass. That we got to act on it. We got to move on it. His words were that faith is the substance of things, is hope for the evidence of things not seen. You may not see anything different, but if Jesus has something to say about it, then we got to act on what it. Because look what happens. The next verse, or next part of that verse, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Oh. And so it was means it came to pass or it came about. So it was that as they went, they were cleansed. As they went. That as they went is a word that just means to move away from something, away from somewhere, to make a move, to move on something. So as they moved... They were cleansed. That word cleansed just means to purify. It means to heal. It means to, to remove contamination, make acceptable again. So they didn't say, it doesn't say that after they were cleansed, they went. It says that as they went, they were cleansed. As they moved, they were healed. It didn't say they were healed and then we move. As they went... Are you tracking with me? As they went, they were cleansed. So now we understand that God's given us a direction. Can we obey Jesus' words if he tells us something and nothing has changed? Can we obey? Can we go? He said, go show yourself to the priest. And they said, okay, we're going to go. And as they went, they began to be cleansed. Some things, I'll submit this to you, some things only change as we go. Some things will only change as we move. Too many times we're waiting on it to happen, and then we'll move. I believe God's stretching us and wanting us to grow into a place that we move by what he says, not by what we see. And we will go with what he says, even if we don't see anything any different. Some things we won't see until we go. 
as we go. We've got to make a move. Will, will we move on his word or will we wait for proof? What if they didn't go? What if he said, go show yourself to the priest, and they look down and say, this dude's crazy. Why would I show myself to the priest? I'm the same. Don't act like you're so spiritual that you wouldn't say the same thing. We want God to prove us 17 ways before we believe what he's saying. Well, show me one more time, Lord. One more time. We're like Gideon. We got five fleeces we're wanting to throw out. Lord, if that's really you, cause this to happen. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Lord, if it's really you, cause something else to happen, Lord. Throwing out too many things. Because sometimes we get a little bit where we're not, where it's not going the way we want it to be. And, and, and we, we don't see anything changing. And, and what if they wouldn't have went? What if they wouldn't have obeyed the word of the Lord because it didn't make sense? This happened in the Bible. You remember a guy by the name of Naaman? Naaman was a leper. He was a commander of the Syrian army for the king. And, and they heard that there was a prophet in Israel named Elisha. And so they sent Naaman and said, hey, come to Israel and you could get healed of leprosy. So he shows up in Elisha's door, and Elisha doesn't even have the decency to come out. He sends his messenger. And he sends his messenger out, and he tells the, the commander of the army, he says, listen, uh, go dip seven times in the Jordan, and you'll be cleansed. Naaman looks at the messenger with disdain, and he says, this is your direction? This is your direction for my healing? Go show yourself to the priest. Go dip in the Jordan. What in the world kind of direction is that? Why would I go do that? I got better rivers in my country. Why would I dip in the muddy Jordan River seven times? You're ridiculous. I wanted, I wanted Elisha to come out and wave his hands over me and do some really nice, cool thing to be healed. Does anybody ever put any parameters on how they want God to work in their life? Nobody here, but I'm telling you, somewhere, sometimes we say, God, I want it to look like this. I want my healing to come about like this. I want my marriage to be restored like this. I want my job to look like this. Sometimes we got to learn to trust God. He went and finally his servants talked him into going and dipping seven times and he was healed. But look at verse 15. So it was that as they went... They were cleansed. Verse 15, I think this is cool. It says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, the word saw means to have a knowledge of. Do you perceive something? You, you have fullness of understanding of something. The word healed, here's what the word healed means, to cure, to cause something to change to an earlier correct or appropriate state. When he saw that he was healed, when he saw that he was renewed, made well again, when he saw that he was brought back from a bad state, when he, thought, when he saw that he was revitalized and given another chance, when he saw that he got a restart, when he saw that he was resurrected, when he saw that things had changed, when he saw what God did something, that God did something in his life, when he saw it, when he saw this miraculous thing took place, what happened in his life? Some things we will only see, I said, as we go. We'll see it. We'll understand it. We'll, we'll see it. We'll finally grasp it. It says, when he saw. Remember in the earlier verse, Jesus saw them. But now it's saying, when he saw. Realize and remember this. Jesus will see things before we see things. So what happens? What happens when we finally see what Jesus saw all along? It says, when he saw, Jesus had already seen it. He sent him. He said, go show yourself. But what happens when we finally see what Jesus saw all along? What happens when we see in ourselves what Jesus sees in us? <laughs> what happens when we see in others what Jesus sees in them? 
What will change about our perspective when we see ourselves as Jesus sees us? It says when he saw that he was restored, when he saw some things we will only see as we go. And my question to you this morning about appreciation is as we go and as we're changed, as we're healed, as God does things for us, will we even see the progress we're making? Sometimes we don't see what God has done in our lives and we're not appreciative. Sometimes we don't see what God has done for us. We don't see what he's helped us with. We don't see how he's helped us along the way and brought things across our path. And so we begin to take for granted things God's done for us and we don't give him credit for it. We take credit for it. Well, I did that myself. Oh, really? See, as he saw, as he saw what he couldn't do for himself, something happened. Because we, we don't arrive overnight. We've got to realize we're progressing. We're going through, it, through what God's doing. In us. And some things we're not going to see until we get along a little bit farther. Sometimes they're going to come to us a little bit later, so we've got to see it. So what happens when we see what Jesus has done for us? How do we respond? It says, when he saw that he was healed, here's what happened. Look at the next part of this verse. How do we respond? How do we take nothing for granted? How do we give fuel for the future through our appreciation? Three ways to show appreciation. Three ways to show appreciation. Number one, here's what he did in that verse. When he saw that he was healed, the first thing he did is he returned. Look at your neighbor and say, return. Return, return, return. That word return means to go back. Sometimes when you, if you're going to show appreciation, you got to go back. you got to take it back. Do, 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 take it back. <laughs> Anytime you can work a Rocky movie into a sermon, it's a hit, I'm telling you. You got to take it back. You got to go back. Now you say, wait a minute, preacher, aren't you guys always telling us to forget the things that were before and press forward? Yeah. There's all kinds of context for that. But I'm going to tell you to show appreciation. The first thing he did when he, when he saw what Jesus did for him, he returned. And I said, God, why did he return? He said, because he needed to go back to where he was so he can recognize how far he came. Sometimes we don't go back to where we were and recognize that 20 years ago, the mess my life was in, I need to go back. It doesn't mean I live in my past, but I make conjugal visits once in a while just to encourage me on what God has done in my life. I'm not going to live there, but i got to go back and say, was that who I was? Man, that dude was jacked up. Thank you, Jesus, for where you brought me in my life you got to return. Sometimes we got to go back. The reason we go back is not so we can rehearse old mistakes. It's so we can appreciate. We need to smell the roses a little bit along the way. We need to appreciate the journey. I don't want us to take for granted what God has done in this house. I don't want us to take for granted what God has done in your life. I want us to appreciate what he's doing. Sometimes we get so caught up in the moment, we don't look back enough to see where he brought us from to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm sure not where I was. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate what you've done as I went. As I've went, he's done some great things in my life. We've got to go back. We've got to return. It's fuel for our future. We got to go back and visit some of these past victories. You got to go back. David went back when he's getting ready to face Goliath. Getting ready to face Goliath. What was fuel for his future? He goes to Saul and he says, hey, the same God 
who delivered the lion and delivered the bear into my hand is going to deliver this big, ugly Goliath into my hand. I don't know what your lion and bear moments are, but sometimes you need to return back to them and say, wait a minute, he brought me through there. He's going to bring me through today. He brought that across in my path, and I still came out victorious. Thank you, Lord, what you did for me before you'll do again. we got to have some lion. we got to return. Let those lion and bears encourage you in your life. Let yourself be encouraged by what? It's not arrogance. It's not pride. We know it's not about us. We know we didn't do it on ourselves. You know your situation, and you know there's no way you got through it on your own. But Jesus was there with you all along. So we got to return. The first thing he did was return. we got to go back. we got to go back. Sometimes we, we get in the midst of things, and we don't appreciate what God's done for us. We don't, we don't appreciate what he's, what, how he's handled our life. And and, and sometimes we get a little bit greedy about tomorrow and, or, or you know, tomorrow, and we forget about yesterday. We don't appreciate. Some of, sometimes we get to treating Jesus like Janet Jackson. What have you done for me lately? Ooh, yeah. Sometimes that's the way we do it. But isn't that the way we do it with our relationship with God? Lord blesses your socks off over and over, brings you through over and over. It's what happened with the Israelites. They wrote that song for Janet. I believe they did because they were constantly, we want something to eat. We want something. Here's manna, free, all you want. We want meat. We want meat. We want water. What have you done for me lately? And God says, sometimes you're the same way, Chad. I, I just want to preach about the Israelites. He said, you've you got to appreciate, you've got to return, we've got to return. Let's go to the next one. So he returned, he returned, and look what the next thing he did. With a loud voice, glorified God. Now some of you might get a little nervous about seeing loud voice in the Bible. But that word loud is a word to mean mega, mega. It means large quantity, big, big, great, excessive. Here's, here's the next value point, uh, the key to showing appreciation. We've got to say something. We've got to say something. We got to say it loud and proud. Not proud in ourselves, proud. I'm just talking proud, thankful. If you, here's a good point if you, to appreciate people. If you think good, you need to say good. How many times have you taken someone for granted because you didn't say something? Thank you. Are my clothes clean again? Thank you. How did they magically get? From the hamper into my closet. Thank you. Some of you kids, if you go up to your parents and just say, hey, mom and dad, I just want to tell you thank you for being awesome parents. They will fall out on the floor. (laughs) Fall out. We got to say something. If you appreciate your kids doing a good job, you need to say something. You appreciate co-workers and team members in the body, in the family of God. You need to say something. Appreciation is about with a loud voice, excessively declaring and saying, hey, I appreciate you. If we want to show good appreciation, we got to say something. With a loud voice, they glorified God. you got to say it with a loud voice. Here, look at the next thing that they did. After they, after they did that, it says they returned with a loud voice, glorified God. In verse 16, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. He threw in that, and he was a Samaritan because he's talking to Jews who despised Samaritans, thought the Samaritans were the dogs and the lowlifes of society. But Jesus was making a point to let them know that the Samaritan was the only one of the ten who came back to give him thanks. So what does give him thanks mean? Showing appreciation. Here's what it means. Part of giving appreciation is giving credit where credit is due. 
that worship is only reserved for one. Now, there is credit where credit's due with other people. We need to learn to walk in appreciation, take nothing for granted. We appreciate people. But he says, will you appreciate me in your life? Will you not take me for granted? Will you come and fall down and worship me? Will you give thanks to God? The key for us to walking in this core value is that we give God credit for everything that happens in our lives. That we worship him for that. We don't use the phrase, we pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We're thankful that God even gives us boots. We're thankful for what God's doing in our life. So appreciation, that core value of that is learning that we need to go back when everything's said and done. We need to go back, fall down on our face and worship Jesus and say, Lord, without you I would have nothing. You are my provider. You are the king of my life. You are the one that's worthy of worship. I'm telling you, your kids are watching that. Your parents are watching that. Your family members are watching that. Your spouse, who do you give credit to? Do you give credit to the only one that's worthy? We take nothing for granted. Our appreciation is fuel for the future because we realize this is what he's telling us. So Jesus answered in verse 17 and said, hey, uh, were there not 10 cleansed? You know what that tells us? All 10 of them got cleansed. All 10 of them. So Jesus did something for all of them. But he says, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Here's something I think should be a bedrock of our life is that we don't take for granted what God has done in our hearts. He says, I'm touching people every single day all the time and very few are coming back in and worshiping me for it. They've got a good job. They've got a nice home, nice car. They've got a nice family. And they don't ever come back to me and thank me for what I've done in their life. They have breath in their lungs. They have a healthy body they're able to walk around in. And they're not even acknowledging my existence. He's saying, who is going to worship me? Who's going to look to me and say, Lord, I take nothing for granted. The reason that I'm alive today is because you give me breath. The the reason that I have a family, the reason I have a job is because of you. So I'm going to worship you with everything that I have. This is what it means to be appreciative, that we're going to give him thanks. He said, where's the other nine? Well, the other nine are enjoying what Jesus did for them, but they're taking it for granted. They're enjoying the benefits of what God has provided for them, but they're not willing to return and give him thanks for it. We're not going to be like that. We're going to go back and always give thanks for what Jesus has done in our lives. Because look what appreciation will do for you. Look at the last verse. Look what appreciation will do for you in your life. Verse 19, and he said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Some translations say whole. That's the Greek word sozo. Your faith To do what I ask you to do and to return and come back and acknowledge me and give appreciation has made you whole. That word whole means to be rescued, set free, nothing missing, to put everything back together. It means whatever was missing in your life, the one who came back and showed appreciation, I'm telling you, I'm bringing wholeness into your life. The other ones got cleansed from leprosy, but the rest of their life still had problems. But this one who came back to honor God, he said, because you let me into your life and allowed me a place of of honor and appreciation, now I'm going to give you the rest of me in all the other areas of your life. 
I'm not just interested in your skin being clean. I'm interested in your whole life being whole. There's people that are satisfied with Jesus touching one area of their life, but I'm telling you, Jesus wants to get all up in your business and be part of every area of your life. He wants to make you whole. He doesn't just want to make you cleanse. He doesn't want to just get you born again. Born again is awesome, but he says more than that, I want to make you whole. We need to show appreciation to be able to experience that. So this is what God's talking to us about in this. And so I, I'm going to ask you some questions today and see if any of these apply to you. Do you feel afar off from God today? If you do, I encourage you to cry out to him. Cry out to him in whatever area. And I'm telling you, this isn't far off from God means I'm unsaved. That's not what it has to mean. Sometimes you can be a Christian and feel afar off from God. You can feel like your prayers are banging against that ceiling and not getting any higher. When you do that, you just need to keep crying out to Jesus and know that he sees you and he hears you. So if you feel far off from God today, I want you to cry out to him. Do you wonder if God sees what's going on in your life? Some of you are not sure that God knows what's going on, what's happening. Are you here? Are you, are you with me? Do you realize what I'm going through? Do you realize the struggles that I'm facing? I want you to know today that he sees them. And he doesn't just see them, but he wants to give you a direction to give you a solution to get out of your situation. Not out of it as far as not having to walk through something. There's things we may have to walk through in our life, but he's going to give me the guide. He's going to give me the map on how I'm going to walk through this adversity, walk through this struggle, and make it out on the other side better than I was when I came in. i got to get his direction. i got to get his word. Next thing I'll ask you, do you know that what he has to say to you, but you just need to make a move? There's some people that you've got direction from God, but you just need to make a move. Has God spoken some things into your life? Maybe you've got his word on a situation. When I say, sometimes I use some of these terms that I want to make sure and be very clear what it means. I realize the power of teaching and making sure people comprehend and not just entertaining with nice words. If I say, you need to get the word on that, some people are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Here's what I'm talking about. You need to find in the scriptures verses that speak to your situation. So that you see what God says. If you're having trouble with decisions and wisdom, then you need to turn to the book of James. And you go to the book of James and you find a scripture. And you look, look down here in verse 5 and it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So I take that scripture and I begin to pray that scripture. And I say, Lord, I need wisdom. And James 1.5 says, If I ask for your wisdom, you will give it to me. You won't hold it back. So that's what I'm talking about. You find scriptures that apply to your situation, whether it's health, emotional, physical, whatever it may be. You find scriptures that speak to that. And then you grab hold of those words as a promise and you say, God, this is my direction for my life. Do you have his direction today? Then mainly, in addition to that, has God done some things for you as you went that you've taken for granted? I think we all can apply in this situation that God has done something for us as we've gone about our life, our journey, and we've taken them for granted. We've taken them for granted. We've, we've grown into entitlement mode that we expect that. Maybe we've taken the presence of God for granted. There's sometimes people will take a church service for granted. They'll take a word for granted until they all of a sudden they can't get it anymore. And they're like, oh, wow, that was actually pretty good. What happened? There's a man by, by the name of Samson. 
Maybe you've heard of him. That nice, long, flowing hair is the antithesis of me. And Samson had great strength that came from God. And all God asked is that you appreciate where it came from and you honor me with your life. Samson took it for granted. Everything God said do, he didn't do. Everything God said don't do, he did. He took for granted the strength that God had given him. He didn't appreciate it. And one day, after Delilah had shaved off his hair, gave him a haircut much like mine, then, then he woke up from his sleep, and the Bible says that he, he went to shake himself as before, but it says he didn't even know that the Spirit of God had left him. I want to give out a very loving, kind warning. Do not take the presence of God for granted in your life. Too many church kids take the presence of God for granted. They attend church and they think, check, that's good enough. It's not. Too many church adults take church attendance, check. It's my relationship. Don't take his presence in your life for granted. Because as we go through the motions and we live our life, if we're not careful, the presence of God can be gone and we don't even know it. Lastly, let me ask you this. Are you one of the nine? Or are you one of the one? I want us to pray. If you would, just bow your heads with me. Are you one of the nine that's taken things for granted? Maybe you've taken a spouse for granted, and all of a sudden, they're not there anymore. Maybe you took your parents for granted, and then you moved out, and you were like, wow. Maybe you took someone else for granted. I don't know what it is, but maybe you've taken God for granted and what he's done for you. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I ask you to come, Holy Spirit, touch our hearts that we take nothing for granted, that appreciation for each other, appreciation for what you're doing in our life will be fuel for where we're going. I want you to pray right now and just ask God to show you Show me what I'm taking for granted. Maybe I've taken worship for granted. Maybe I've taken my job for granted. I, it can be a number of things. But I give you an opportunity right now in the presence of God to ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you. Because the last part of giving thanks involves humility. He fell down on his face and he gave thanks. Will you give God some thanks right now? Give him thanks that you're not where you used to be. Give him thanks for where he's brought you from. Yes, you've got some things, some hurdles you still got to get over. But look back for just a moment and look at all the hurdles you've overcome up to this point. Look back at your lion and your bear. Return for just a moment for a visit to say, yes, Jesus, because of you, because of you. And then begin to declare with a loud voice, I'm going to glorify God in my life. I'm going to glorify God for my job, for my home, for my car, for my 
family, for my friends, whatever it is you have, thank him for it. Father, I pray that we will be appreciative this morning. I pray, God, we will take nothing for granted that you've done for us. I pray that we will honor the one who's done everything for us. We will give you credit for what we cannot take credit for for ourselves. Without you, it is impossible for us to be where we are. We are grateful for where you've brought us as a body of believers. We're grateful where you've brought this church. We're grateful for what you've done in the past. And we pray, Lord, that that appreciation will be fuel for our future. We're grateful for our homes and our jobs, all of these things. Just receive that right where you are. Appreciate him. Come on, spend some moment. Don't take anything for granted. Don't take the anointing of God for granted. Don't take his presence for granted. Ah, just this, it's just that. No, 